Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome into the bank. I'm Chris Turner. I'm joined by my colleagues, Mike Randall and Jamie Seek. Uh, we'll get to them in just one second. First, a word from our sponsor, Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. They're a third-generation family business established in 1959, located on Main Street in beautiful, historic downtown Westminster. Uh, for They're the oldest floor covering store in Carroll County and one of Maryland's longest-running flooring businesses. For all your flooring needs, think Mercer Floor and Home Carpet One. First round of the 2021 draft quickly approaching Thursday, April 29th, so just over two weeks away. So as we get closer, it's who do you want, and who do you think the Ravens will be choosing from, Mike? Well, I want an edge rusher, and I think uh, it's been pretty clear what we've talked about here on the podcast and the last few articles I've written over the last month or so. Uh, covering the edge rushing class. The thing is that there's no Chase Young in this draft when it comes to edge rushers. So who the Ravens could be choosing from could be any one of the top names that you've seen on any of the mock drafts. If you pull up five mock drafts, you'll see guys like Gregory Russo be as high as 12 or 13 or as low as 27, 28, 29, or Aziz Oluhari from Georgia being up there around 15 or 16 or down at like 32 going to the uh, 31 going to the Chiefs I've seen. So any one of the guys that are highly touted could fall if, if you look at the mock drafts and kind of compile them all together. Um, anyone could be there because there's no top 10, top 10, top five definitive uh, pick like a, like a Chase Young this year. So um, looking at uh, some of these guys that I've evaluated and looking at their pro day numbers, uh, the ones that are usually higher up on the spectrum are uh, your guys like Jalen Phillips, Gregory Russo, Quiddy Pay. Russo, I've soured on a little bit because of his his pro day. Uh, you know, only a thirty inch vertical, only a nine nine and a half foot broad jump. It's kind of uh, lacks a little bit of explosiveness, in my opinion. Quiddy Pay, on the other hand, uh, thirty six reps on the bench, thirty five and a half inch vertical. Uh, almost a 10-foot broad jump, that's an explosion score of over 80, <laughs> which is uh, six over 60 is good, over 70 is elite, and he's looking at explosion over 80. So not to mention his three-cone drill, which he ran um, under seven seconds. He, he didn't. He has run a sub, an official sub 4-4-40, but his pro day ran 4-5-6, I believe. So Putting all those together, he's number one on my board right now. However, he's a Michigan guy. And for some reason, I feel like the Michigan guys, um, other than maybe Tom Brady, just don't live up to the hype in the NFL. There's been a lot of Michigan guys lately that um, just you know, just don't really uh, seem seem to live up to it. So um, putting that aside, I like, uh, I like Pay's numbers. But I think I like Jalen Phillips overall, maybe a tick better, or maybe 1A, 1B, Pay, and then Phillips. Well, if the Ravens do go off the uh, the Michigan choice, obviously they'll have all the intel they possibly need there. Uh, Phillips is 
kind of my uh, guy I've been kind of keying on and, and hoping for at this point, Jamie. Uh, what are your thoughts at this point? You know, it's it's funny, like uh, uh, alluding to what Mike said about looking at different mocks and kind of seeing, you know, there are guys pretty much all over the place and a bunch of the guys that we've discussed. I sincerely believe that there's that the Ravens aren't going to pick anybody at 27. I, I honestly think that that the organization is going to look at the number of picks that they have and look for an opportunity to trade back because I think the group of guys that you know we've discussed at the two positions of need, arguably the two biggest positions of need, at edge and at wide receiver, that there are a couple of guys at each position that have all graded out in that late first round, early second round kind of location. So I think the opportunity will present itself to move. I think it does for every team, but uh, I think the opportunity will present itself. And I think the Ravens will take it because I can't, I, again, I can't imagine them being happy with only having seven picks um, and that that'd be an opportunity to do it and still get somebody that you like. And that might be kind of half a cop out, but it just, just has that feeling to me that they're going to trade out of the round. Well, it's certainly plausible. It's, uh, you know, if they trade back and get additional picks, I mean, that definitely feels like uh, a typical Ravens uh, move. And if they're back there at the end of the first round, they might feel that they they can go 10, 15 deep into the second round and find comparable talent. Um, but if they stand at the 27th pick, uh, if you look at the current mocks that are out there, Jamie, who who is a reasonably plausible outcome, you could see the Ravens potentially taking that you wouldn't be excited to hear uh, selected um the name that uh that i'm that i've seen a couple of times in throughout the mock draft season tcu safety uh trayvon morig just not interested in going safety he listen pro football focus cbs sports illustrated they've got him rated as the top safety uh i think they said he did like 33 reps on the bench he, you know, he's he's a bit of a ball hawk. He can play both free safety and strong safety. He's 6'2". He can play down in the box. But the organization is already pretty solid at safety, and I don't feel like safety is a, is a, uh, a position that you spend a first-round pick on unless it's a generational-type talent. Ed Reed was a generational talent. We tried to go back to that well with – you know, Jason Elam and, and, you know, or excuse me, Jason Elam, it's Matt Elam, and it failed miserably. Now, again, that could have been more about the player than it was about the pick, but it just makes me edgy because safety isn't really a spot where the Ravens need to do anything. I don't think that makes them, even though not to take away from, from Morig, he seems like a good player, but it doesn't really move the needle for what the organization needs to do to get better, particularly this year. No harm getting Elam's uh, name wrong. It was a forgettable tenure and uh, you know, quickly out of the memory banks. Right. Mike, same question for you. Uh, a name you could plausibly see the Ravens pull at 27 that you wouldn't be excited about. Yeah, uh, definitely any one of those guys that, like Morig that's at a position that we don't really view as a need right now. Um, but I also, but looking at the, the edge rushers again, I, I feel like the, that even though the mocks have players going anywhere, like I said, from 12, 13, all the way down to the end of round one or further, 
I could see a situation where a couple edge rushers go like 15, 18, and then all of a sudden in like a fantasy draft when those tight ends start going and everybody all of a sudden has to grab one, um, that all of a sudden all the edge rushers start going. By the time 27 comes around, you know, five five or six might be off the board. And then the Ravens are, are looking at somebody like uh, Joe Tryon, uh, who I mentioned in my last article, um, you know, somebody like him from Washington. Just, uh, you know, guys – just that, that have a round two grade, but maybe the Ravens see something in them to take a 27, um, you know, set, settling on the sixth or seventh edge rusher in, in the first round when it's not a great edge rushing class where there's, um, you know, a lot of quality, but not elite quality, you know, or, you know, there's quantity, but not a, you know, a whole lot of elite talent. So taking someone that deep in the first round, that's where I'd rather see them go into another position or trade back and get one of those guys like early second round and, and stockpile some picks for later. But I think if it was somebody like Joe Tryon from Washington, somebody like that, um, yeah, that's a that's a pick I'd, I'd kind of not be happy about at number 27. So, Mike, the uh, dean of uh... – Mock drafts, Baltimore zone, Calvert Hall zone. Uh, Mel Kuyper, he had his latest two-round mock out yesterday. Uh, and included in there have had the Ravens taking Terrence Marshall, wide receiver, LSU at 27. And Liam uh, Eichenberg, uh, offensive tackle or guard from Notre Dame. I know Kuyper's a big Notre Dame fan, so that's not uh, – uh, overly surprising there, and uh, kind of always look to his Notre Dame picks. Somebody uh, as you know, that's that's a school I know he's watching a lot of. You know, he watches everybody, but a particular focus, uh, maybe the Fighting Irish. But some reactions there to uh, those uh, two possible selections, and starting with Marshall there. Yeah, no, I w- would not be unhappy about the the Marshall pick. I think he's got. Um, like a size and speed combination that you want in a receiver. And, uh, you know, he, he's not he's not one of these other guys that, that have been mocked to us that are like, oh, they're 5'10", but they're really good. We have three of those guys already. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Marshall would, would set himself apart. You only have Sammy Watkins on a one-year deal. So <clears throat> getting a guy that, can, that you can pair up, um, you know, you can pair up with Marquise Brown and compliment him would, would be nice for another, uh, you know, few years. They also, you got to figure with Mark Andrews, is he going to price himself out of town here next year when, um, you know, when his contract year comes up? So uh, you got to look, you know, look there too. Uh, if you're not going to have tight ends, you got to have receivers. So wouldn't be mad about the Marshall pick and definitely wouldn't be mad about going a uh, lineman in the second round, especially Notre Dame one. We have one of those uh, Notre Dame. You have to be intelligent to succeed there. You want intelligence out of your lineman. So, um, be happy with that pick as well, especially a versatile one like him uh, who can play tackle and slide inside the guard, it looks like. Yeah, and Andrew's extension, that'd be a good topic. We'll catch that on another show. I know DaCosta was recently quoted as saying that he wanted to uh, keep Andrews. Yeah. But uh, staying particularly on Marshall, Jamie, uh, some thoughts there. Kuiper's right off. He talks about Marshall being able to run every route. Uh, that is certainly uh, encouraging. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there was some. Uh, there was some, I guess, conflicting scouting reports on him when when I was uh, taking a look at a couple of those receivers that are mocked to around us, and just them talking about him having some problems with drops this year, uh, this past season. That it could have been a little bit of a fluke, or maybe just you know he got into a little bit of a slump, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, but you know, remember Marshall didn't really he really took off this past season because it was. Um, Oh gosh, the kid that, that he went to the Vikings this year. His name just gave me Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he was the LSU mm-hmm. product. Yeah, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. he stepped in where you know Jefferson vacated. But it, then it makes me wonder. It's like obviously he put up numbers, but if he wasn't good enough to get on the field, is he only good enough to get on the field now because they didn't have anybody behind him? And is everything that he does a product of you know being in an offense where the ball's thrown a bunch? He has a bunch of targets. You know, he he does have the size. His speed is a little bit more of it's not necessarily an explosion, but it's a you know once he gets going. But, you know, his size does offer the Ravens something that they don't currently have. And as Mike alluded to, we've already got, you know, three, five, ten guys that can catch. So we definitely need some size. So I, I would like the pick. I wouldn't be in love with it. I'm still a, I'm still in favor of we're going to go to receiver, and if he's on the board, of taking Rashad Bateman. But that's just my feelings on it. Um, as far as the, uh, the the offensive lineman from Notre Dame, I think a lot's going to depend on the or- Orlando Brown status. Obviously, we still need help at offensive line. I mean, haven't really heard anything, but we know we need a center. The prevailing wisdom, as we all discussed, was probably sliding Bozeman over. So if the offensive lineman from Notre Dame could play guard, it still fills a need. But when you're looking at a second-round pick, it's still, especially with the – I know offensive line is a need, but I think the need varies depending on who's here. I would still like to see edge rusher addressed early in the draft. And if you do something like this where you go wide receiver, offensive tackle, then you're now pushing yourself back into the third round. What are you really getting at a position of dire need? And again, you don't want to reach for a need, but you need to address a need. Yeah, uh, all things being equal, I mean, which that's a always kind of a loaded statement. But if your board lines up fairly similarly, hopefully you're addressing your need, uh, mm-hmm. your immediate need uh, first. But uh, some of the some of the watch. I know Marshall does have his fair amount of fans. A uh, number of people have mentioned him on the boards, and I think if I look at all of our of the mocks that we've listed directly at the site, Baltimore Sports and Life at our message board. I believe Marshall's probably been mentioned more uh, with the Ravens than anybody else. Uh, I, I feel like his name's just come up consistently. Um, you know, is that just the way the boards are falling? Are they hearing something from the Ravens internally? You know, uh, it just seemed like a good match there. Uh, I'm still kind of more uh, with you guys. I would prefer to see the edge addressed, uh, but I won't complain draft night if another weapon is added uh, uh, for Jackson and the offense. Uh, We'll get to more draft coverage over the next uh, uh, two weeks leading up to the draft, certainly back next week when we're we're talking. But another weapon for uh, Jackson kind of leads to our next topic for tonight, Jamie, ESPN article up. When will Jackson cash in? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, 
I don't think it's anything's going to happen this off season. I, I, I think the, you know, the, the ship has, has sailed. And, and at this point, I don't think there's any urgency to get it done between now and the beginning of the season, uh, especially as has been discussed, you know, the constraints of the, you know, constricted cap, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it's something that's going to happen, you know, next off season. Um, obviously it's an interesting dynamic with, uh, with Lamar not having representation, you know, his, his mom acts as his advisor or whatever you want to, however you want to frame it, consultant. Um, so I don't know whether the team, you know, and they talked about this a little bit in the article, whether the team deals with her, does the team deal with him? Is it both of them? Or is she just there as moral support? So it does add an interesting dynamic, you know, either way, I think he ends up in that, you know, in the Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, you know, range where he's you know, somewhere around 38 to 42 million and probably four or five years. I don't see the Ravens pushing it up really big because I still think there could be a little bit of trepidation as to how Jackson develops his overall quarterbacking skills. Obviously, we know what he can do as a playmaker with the ball in his hand. We've obviously seen him have runs of success throwing the ball, but how does that ability as a playmaker evolve as he ages? He's not going to be the same athlete three, four years from now that he is now. So yeah, I think so that plays into everything. It, it has to be part of the overall equation. But, uh, Mike, if there is no deal this offseason, uh, then, you know, as we've seen, I think the last couple of years, it's not just every game, every week being a referendum for Jackson. It's basically every series uh, that, that we see. So kind of imagine, that, you know, the two scenarios that are possible. One, a repeat of his MVP year where he gets, uh, he'll be in position to get anything he wants or a repeat of the 20 season, which good, but there was a step back uh, and, you know, that wasn't just on him. There were other, other uh, reasons why. Uh, it's going to make for an interesting time next off season. Uh, just well, uh, how that contract can play out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's going to either he's either going to be the second highest paid quarterback because I still don't think anyone's going to top Patrick Mahomes, or he may end up being a tick below what Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott got. Um, if he kind of repeats 2020, but you put another, you put a second MVP on him and, and he's going to be a lot closer to what Mahomes got um, than, than those other guys I just said. But and I, he, 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 said, I don't think he's going to get, I, I feel like that's not going to come this year. It's going to be a decision for next off season. Yeah. I think you guys have it right. And sorry to jump in there, but uh, if he, even if it's a repeat of 20, he's going to get a whole lot of money as you guys have, have oh, illustrated. Uh, and I think the Ravens are still going to hand it to him no matter what. What's just going to be ratcheted up is the noise, the other noise outside of the organization, I believe, which is it's really interesting for me to, you know, you know, here in the offseason. I mean, it's one of the go-to stories, you know, ESPN's scrambling, looking for offseason NFL content, and Jackson seems like once a week we're bringing it up and we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, the passing game for the Ravens, and it's just uh, you know, it's it's going to be a huge national story e e each week this year. Yeah. Uh, and the interesting part is, and we're going to get to it next. And I kind of think this kind of builds right off is um, 
there's an article at ravens.com, John Eisenberg, and he was talking about offensive balance, which is something I, in theory, believe in, right? And I'd like to see kind of a, bal- a balanced offense overall, and um, I'm usually talking about that and believing um, – Believing your, your offense has a better fit if you can just schematically address to your uh, uh, adjust to your opponent versus just being who you are. But the Ravens, they're built to run. They're going to be built to run. I don't care who they potentially select at 27 if it's a weapon. They're still going to be built to run. <laughs> should, their, should their focus uh, be this coming year trying to find balance, trying to force it with the passing game or really do you, you know, uh, you guys don't have to match my opinion, but my opinion is they should be playing to their strengths, which is, is the running game <laughs> and, and just really dive into the, that identity. Uh, so Jamie, I'll let you kind of, or I'm sorry, Mike, you can go ahead and lead that off. Yeah. I, I don't think they should force anything. I think you take each game one game at a time and you, that however that game plays out, it plays out. If you're, if you're running the ball and you're crushing your opponent and then you you win by 30 and you end up not having to throw the ball that game and you end up running it at a ratio of 40 times to 15 passes, then so be it. And, you know, and you, you stack up 8, 9, 10, 12 of those games in a year. Maybe you have a game or so where you get challenged early and you have to throw the ball to get back in it. And then that, that evens you out. Uh, throughout the year, and that's how you end up with the you know 60 40 balance. And so, Mike, that, that was a more succinct and more articulate, art, better articulated uh, point than I just made, and I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I, I guess where, where I was going with it, and Jamie will go back and forth a little bit here, is I just don't believe the Ravens are going to have a, a, a team built that they're going to be able to be an upper echelon passing offense. And I, I, I don't think that they need to force that. I think they can be effective in some ways, but I look at the strengths of the roster and I think it's just going to be really tilted towards them really, you know, run, uh, running the ball a lot, but uh, let's get your thoughts and then go back and forth a little. I mean, I mean, I guess first things first, I mean, the, uh, um, what I, I go back to the, uh, soundbite of, uh, coach Billick in the middle of the, uh, touchdown drought when a reporter says it's your job to score points. And he says, no, it's my job to win games. You know, and if the points come, they do. Coincidentally, the Ravens have done a lot of winning and a lot of scoring in the Lamar Jackson era. Now, and another thing, they don't ask you how, they ask you how many, right? How many points? How many wins? Granted. People love the passing game. Obviously, the fantasy football has driven that, you know, quote unquote, excitement has driven that. But, you know, this running offense is unlike anything the NFL has ever seen. I mean, you know, let's call it what it is to have a three headed monster where your quarterback is also a thousand yard rusher. You know, it's, it's pretty, you know, incredible, dynamic and innovative in and of itself. With that said, you do need to have the ability to be able to go and get it in the passing game when you need it. Obviously, you're not always going to get ahead and be able to, you know, pound the, the other team into sand. So sometimes you're going to have to throw the ball. But I think the difference between, you know, what they were what what happened in 21 versus what happened in 20 
it really just seems to be maximizing opportunities because it wasn't like there was any dramatic changes in obviously the system was the same the personnel was pretty much the same with the exception of as we've talked about often marshall yonda and hayden hurst not being here um obviously the injuries affected them a little bit uh down the stretch not having ronnie stanley at left tackle so upsetting your offensive line just changed the dynamic of everything and they Ravens receivers also had a league high seven and a half percent drop rate. If you're if you improve in those places and you maybe add another pass catching tight end, even if it's a veteran, to kind of balance things out, take some heat off of Andrews, you can have more production in the passing game without necessarily having to say, oh, we've got to be 50-50. You know, you don't have to be obsessed with that ratio. It's just let's be effective, but let's make sure we can all, you know, our bread and butter's running the ball. But let's make sure we can also move the ball through the air if we need to. How you get there, again, is probably just maximizing opportunities. Yeah, some good points there, Jamie. Uh, Mike, let me argue against myself for a second and say so the Ravens, uh, they know they can run the ball. They know they do have to improve as a passing offense, even if it's not an equitable 50-50 ratio. They have to have a more consistent passing attack. Should they start the beginning of the year, you know, do you lean into your weak – well, I'm not saying the weakness, but it's not the strength. Do you lean into, hey, we got to improve the passing game, so that's going to be kind of our focus early on. We're going to put a lot of effort and time directly in there, and then when we need to run, we know we have that ability. I mean, maybe, because uh, – but I don't, I think you just still – I still just think you, you take each game – as it comes and what the other team gives you. And that's how I think that that you should just approach the games, whether you're the Ravens or any other team. Um, you know, we didn't think that the Ravens were going to be a high-powered offense when they opened up the season against Miami two years ago and Lamar Jackson threw for a perfect passer rating and for five touchdowns and we scored 50, whatever, 56 points, whatever it was. And, um you know, I, I don't think any of anybody saw that coming. I don't know if that was by design or if that was, okay, we're going to do a pass here. And, oh, twice there's Marquise Brown 10 yards past the last defender, so I'm just going to throw it down there to him. Um, you know, those passes, if he's covered, are, could have been something else. And, you know, I, I think – Yeah, I, I love think the points you are making there about being uh, – having flexibility and adjusting to what the defense is. Uh, particularly giving you and not being locked into anything in particular. And I think that yeah. probably makes them the most uh, efficient offense that they can be overall if they just they continuously adapt to what's uh, presented across from them. So uh, interesting kind of thinking about how that can work out and building, uh, building out the roster the rest of the way. A couple last topics to get to. We talked about Justin Houston last week, and then we visited the Ravens uh, yesterday. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't talk about this pre-show. I didn't get to catch, see if there was any uh, news coming out, out of that uh, visit, uh, anything it directly solves. But just ask kind of generically, how much better would you feel about the defense with him in the fold, Jamie? Um, I mean, obviously a lot better. Uh, I mean, of course, obviously he's an older, you know, an older player who's, I think, 32. I think this will be his age 32 season. Um, but a guy like that, you know, he has a specific skill set. And 
the Ravens can structure the defense so that you don't have to ask him to do more so you can get a lot more out of him by using him in obvious passing situations. Let let him go hunt, you know, if you will, because you can rotate in, you know, have Bowser playing on the end and, you know, in early downs because he's a little bit better, you know, and maybe a little bit more versatile, dropping into coverage, things like that. Um, and well, and to your what you said, Chris, the only thing that I saw was that um, Ursay came out and said that um, we could still have Justin Houston back. Now, whether that's just a generic throwaway thing or whether they kind of said, hey, go out and see what's there and then come back to us, a la what happened with um, uh, T.Y. Hilton. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if anytime you can add a player of Houston's caliber, even in the October of his career, let's say it, it's it's going to be a plus, and especially on a shorter term deal, it's not going to count you a ton against the cap, I wouldn't think. So, it's I think it's definitely a win if they can get him. Mike, they locked up Houston uh, before the draft, and there's compensation reasons why they might not, not do so. But if they did, and they knew that they had, you know, probably eight sacks uh, uh, coming from him. Would that change your uh, thoughts going into the draft about uh, Edge being your number one priority? Um, I think only in the fact that if they end up uh, trading back and getting one of those guys I wasn't crazy about because maybe they're a project, um, that it'd be okay having a project at Edge Rusher this year uh, who, can, who can step in next year. But I still think for me it's um, still a priority. I mean, with Bowser back, that's huge. Uh, but he's not going to be a, like a situational edge rusher. Houston's going to be, you know, three like a situational guy. So like Ngakwe kind of was, I believe. So I think if you if you draft one, you're looking to draft one who's going to play, um, you know, play every down or, um, you know, I think that's what what the Ravens still need to look for. So Mike, uh, we'll get to this last question here. It's where do you have the Ravens in the AFC hierarchy before the draft? And I saw your reaction to uh, Baltimore Sun's Mike Preston uh, and his article. So I think I know where you're going, but I'll, I'll let you uh, directly state. Yeah, I, I think they're fine. I, uh, they're going to be, uh, I think they're number two. I mean, the Chiefs are number one. That's obvious. I, I think the Ravens are number two. Um, I, I think uh, they're, I think I put them ahead of Buffalo slightly just because I'm not impressed with, with Buffalo's running game. I'm not too impressed with their defense. Uh, and, uh, you know, frankly, that game, that the, the playoff game last year could have went a different way um, and under different circumstances, but, you know, you know, we've all been there. So, uh, you know, I think, I think the Ravens are a pretty complete team. I think they're going to complete their team through the draft and with maybe one more veteran addition, be it Justin Houston or somebody else after the draft, one or two more of those guys uh, when training camp comes around and some cuts happen. Um, yeah, I think, I think the Ravens are going to be one of the more complete teams uh, just like they were last year. When you look at things like DVOA, they were one of the, one of the more complete teams in football and that really hasn't changed. So um, yeah, I think they're right there behind the chiefs. Number two, Jamie uh, Colts, Buffalo Titans, somebody else I'm forgetting anybody you want to outside of Kansas city, you want to take over uh, uh, Baltimore right now? Yeah, sure. Um, 
I mean, you know, it's hard to say definitively because we still have some offseason left to go. Um, you know, I hate to say it because they always find a way to uh, get a little bit of hype and then fall off the rails. But, you know, Cleveland is having a pretty good offseason so far. And, you know, obviously and uh, they just, you know, added Jadavian Clowney. So who knows if he's actually going to contribute. He, he very could possibly and obviously it's a name and they've done a lot to try to revamp their defense this offseason um but with that said i mean the losses that the ravens have had i think look worse on paper than on the field like losing in and judon it's like yeah th that was kind of magnified a position of need but i don't think that Ravens fans look at either of those guys, especially for what they did here. I mean, obviously, Ngakwe was one of those. We talked about it. It was a little bit disappointing. Maybe he never quite fit. Maybe he's never comfortable here. But he never had the big impact that the organization was expecting. And with Judon, for the good games he would have, he would disappear for long stretches. He was good. He was always on the edge of getting a personal foul call if he didn't get one, you know, and I think he led the defense in penalties this year. Um, you know, so I look at that and then look at what else the organization has and just the stability. And, you know, if they're the same team as last year, which is what Preston said, you know, okay, then they're in the final four. And if you get me to the final four of the conference, I, I will take my chances with that any day of the week. Um, and of course, we know they're going to, they always hit a home run in the draft, almost knock on wood. So I, I don't have any issue with saying they're, you know, they're top three in the AFC. I mean, maybe if you want to slide Buffalo in there just because of, you know, how much they're coming on, but, you know, the consistency isn't there with the organization there. So. Slot them wherever you want. They're in the mix, and they're going mm -hmm. into the draft with a chance to uh, add to what they what they have. And you can come and discuss all of it at Baltimore Sports and Life. Give us your thoughts. We want to hear from you, and we're that much closer to the draft and actually seeing what the uh, roster is going to look like as we start you know, thinking about the, the summer and uh, an approaching season. So our thoughts for uh, – our thanks for joining us and uh, – uh, for Mike and Jamie, uh, that's another week. Catch us again next week. Take care.